I'm Maurice McDavid, host of Black, Brown, and Bilingue, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Coming up on episode 126 of Podcast PD, work-life balance is a challenge for many people, but it can be especially difficult for educators. Let's start the show. This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development. Our conversations and guests will provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day, except you're going to have more fun with AJ Bianco and me, Chris Nessie. Let's start the show. morning good afternoon good evening welcome to the podcast people this is episode 126 of podcast pd my name is chris nessie at mr nessie on twitter and i am joined as always by the incomparable podcast paisano aj bianco what's up buddy yo what's up christopher what's going on out there podcast people it's good to see quote unquote see everyone out there thank you for joining us it's good to see you it's good to see you too. This 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 is this is busy time. So like, man, this is busy time. Tis the season. As they Tis say. the season for the testing. No, 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 dude. It's baseball it was, season. Dude. Oh, okay. It's baseball <laughs> season. I'm, I got I got myself involved in four different teams. Kind of four. Wow, you're going to be playing a lot of baseball. I wish. I wish. Coaching ten U rec. Coaching ten U travel. And then assistant coaching the 8U rec and the 8U travel, because that's what we do. Let's be honest. If you're a good assistant coach, you're pulling the strings anyway. Not really pulling the strings, but definitely helping out because he's never, he's never done this before. So like, I'm like, sure, I'll give you okay. my expertise over three years of coaching and dealing with nonsense. A veteran manager. That's what you are. That's, that's it. And one title to show for it. So I'll take it. <laughs> That's more titles than our boy has. But anyway, hey that's a, hey now. Hey, that's a, different a story podcast. for another podcast. That's a different podcast. <laughs> uh, give a nice shout out to Mel A hanging out in the chat and Stephanie Scrocky, our one of our executive producers. So if you're listening to this on the podcast side, make sure you bookmark the last Sunday of the month to come out and check us out at podcastpd.com slash live, which is how we're doing the show here in 2023. And uh, we do want to thank you for making the show a part of your anytime, anywhere professional development. We're excited, as always, to be a part of the Education Podcast Network. Bunch of new shows on the network, so make sure you go and check out edupodcastnetwork.com. AJ, you have come through with another fantastic guest, and you have set this show up for another great conversation. Last month, we talked with Melissa Groff, and we talked about her story and kind of leaving education and kind of what that is doing for her. And tonight we're talking with another friend of yours, Mr. Mark Torrey. So why don't you tell us about Mark and we'll bring him out. Yeah, let me tell you a little about Mark Torrey real quick. So uh, Mark and I were colleagues together um, my my previous job when I was in Harrington Park, New Jersey. Uh, Mark is a K-8 PE teacher. He's also a head varsity coach for soccer. And he is quite the coach. I'll be honest with you, uh, motivator and skill 
all in one uh, market. Mark has done it. Um, you know, while in Harrington Park, Mark has totally taken a, a leadership role in the PE team. Um, he is creating a lot of PD centered around exactly what we're talking about here with that work life balance and that mental health and, and physical health and the physical well being. Uh, but, but like the thing about Mark is he's the, the gentle leader that everybody needs, right? He, he is a quiet presence, but you feel his presence when he's in the room. So you would know exactly what to do. And Mark has a lot of eyes on him because I think he is very well respected. He's very trusted with the staff. Um, and, and, and I think as both a parent and as a member of the faculty, you know, people really come to Mark, talk about a lot of different things. So, you know, I'm really proud to have Mark on the show. This is something we've been working on for quite some time. So let us introduce Mark Tory to our program. Mark, what's going on, man? Hello. Hello. How are we doing? I'm doing well, bud. Doing well. It's great to have you here. And and like I said, this is a, a long time coming. Mark and I have been in communication and, and I'm really excited. And we'll talk about this throughout the episode. I'm really excited what Mark is doing with both mental and physical well-being uh, for staff and for the, the, I guess, general public, we'll say. Um, so let's get started. Let's just, let's go right into these questions because I think Mark's going to share a lot of information. It's going to get people thinking in the right, right sense. All right. So first, let, let, let's hit the, the elephant in the room. Uh, we're going to do stereotypical podcast thing. Mark, you are not from America, so you've got this great accent. Where are you from? So I am originally from Scotland, um, a, a small town, as well. we would say a wee town uh, called Forfar, which is in the northeast. Uh, I came here in 2002 as a 21-year-old, so... Now this is my halfway point. I think September, the start of September this year is my halfway point. From then on, I'll have lived in the United States longer. But I, I know my accent's still strong. And and um, and I, even though I, actually when I was at William Patterson, uh, they offered to give me classes to lose my accent. Um, but I had to explain that it was one of the few things I had going for me. So um, I managed to persuade them not to put me in those classes. And uh, I'm here I am today, so. Mark, hearing that gives me like another reason to be dissatisfied with my alma mater. I am also a graduate <laughs> of William Patterson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I apologize that they even make that an option. <laughs> Can I just say the one thing that Mark and I bonded over, I think Mark knows more American history <laughs> as somebody who came <laughs> to the country 22 years ago than somebody who's been here all their life. So, you know, Mark, we were talking as a when we were colleagues, like focusing on like, do these kids know anything about like the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution? And Mark's like, well, I can go to recite it straight through. And like Mark is telling me history that I had no idea about. So that's, that's, it's amazing. That's one of the benefits of being born abroad. You have to pass the citizenship test, you know, and it's not multiple choice, you know, uh, it's open ended. And I guess, but um, yeah, we, we've talked to it. I definitely do like history. It's, yeah. it's really intriguing. It's interesting. Definitely. So. Definitely. Well, hopefully at some point in this conversation, maybe we could talk about how you do some cross-curricular work between history and go. phys ed. I would, mm. I'm fascinated. <laughs> um, but we are here to have Mark talk about work-life balance. And AJ, We, I mean, the three of us, we all know, just like anybody watching or listening, it is – well, it goes without saying. It mm -hmm. is tough to be a teacher and manage what you do in your classroom or as an administrator with your family and your friends and just – this thing we call life. So, Mark, we'll start with you. What does work-life balance mean to you as an educator? And then AJ and I can chime in. Mm. 
So obviously, as a phys ed teacher, that I, I teach um, in in my the town where I live, I, I only have like a 30, minute, 30 second walk to school. So you know, I do get there early. I do get there early because I like to get there and get my head straight and do some things um, that I want to do um, for my own health and wellness first. Um, but at, when the school lets out, when at three fifteen, three twenty, I'm back in the house. I'm so I'm around my kids, um, and I think that's been a huge benefit. You know, to I, I do own a soccer coaching company because who can live off a teacher's salary, especially early on in your teaching career in North Jersey? Um, but I think the, the real thing I've learned over these years is to delegate more, to hire more people, do less of the work myself, do less of the running around myself. And I, I think that's probably been the biggest benefit for myself because I'm able to do all the cooking. Um, my wife's still working when I get home from school and it, it just it, it helps with it just helps with that balance. I get to spend time in the kitchen, which I love to do. I get to prepare healthier meals um, and my kids benefit from it too, you know? So that's, it's pretty important to me. It's not something I would look to give up. I don't think, I don't think there's any amount of money that I would be willing to accept to forgo that. I don't think, I don't see the value in it. Well, then you must have amazing kids because there are days where <laughs> I try and figure out what that number would be. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, there's, I mean, I've got three boys, so my but my boys are a little bit older. So my, uh, Campbell is twelve, going on thirteen. Julian is eleven, going on twelve, and uh, Ellis is going to be nine in June. So they, they kind of take care of themselves. We don't do homework with them. You know, we're not believers. I don't do homework for them. I don't ask them if they've done their homework. It's not. I I think that they need to develop their own sort of you know responsibility for themselves and. So I'm not really involved in that stuff, um, but we're local and I have time to put into their lives. So like AJ was talking about with coaching before, like I coach the kids teams, the soccer teams, and I, um, I'm able to do that. You know, I'm able to give my time and give my energy and give the desire and, and I'm happy to do it, you know, so I, I'm in a privileged position for sure. What about you, AJ? What does work-life balance mean to you? I honestly, I, I find myself just shutting down at the end of the day, you know, kind of like what Mark is saying, I get home. Um, the priority is, is the family, you know, whether it's coaching now or, you know, cooking meals or doing the laundry, whatever the case may be, but like shutting down, I, I think is more important now than it's ever been for me. Um, which is tough because then I go into work the next day, knowing that I didn't finish the test that I had planned to do at night. Um, you know, I, I think that that balance part is, is tough because you can't balance work and life. Right. I can't be on the baseball field with the kids and answering emails or taking phone calls or things like that. So, uh, again, it's like shutting down unless I know that there's something that pops up. So, you know, as much as I say, I, I turn off the phone and the email, I don't because every now and then I might get, well, we have gaggle. So, for those who don't know what gaggle is, you know, our computer software is monitored by this system called gaggle. And if something goes between students, whether it's, um, thoughts of suicide, whether it's bad language, whether it's violence, whatever the case may be, if kid sends an email or is Googling things, I get this notification. So the other day I get a notification on my phone that says a gaggle alert. And uh, I look at it, right? Because that could be a serious thing, even though it's 10 o'clock at night. So I look at it it's nothing major and I can kind of put my phone down for a little bit, but you know, that, that balance aspect is, is key because there really is no way to actually balance the things any of us do when it comes to work and when it comes to, to play at home. You know, because you're always going to be on in some regard. Age, I'm going to follow up with you. You're an administrator now. Mark and I are, you know, classroom teachers. Mm -hmm. 
do you feel that the work-life balance you had achieved as a classroom teacher is different now as an administrator? Um, that's, that's a great question. I, I'm sorry for the radio silence there. I, I, I don't know the answer to that because when I was teaching, I found myself having lessons planned. You know, as, as a teacher, my day was set. I knew exactly what I was going to do the next day and nothing was going to stand in my way. You know, in, in the role that I'm in now, I'm on the go. So it's a lot of management. It's a lot of putting out fires. Uh, it's a lot of doing that every day. So my calendar doesn't really do much for me unless I have like a set observation. So I might still have things to do that, you know, I never thought I would have to do. So when I was in the classroom, I think when I came home, since lessons were planned, it would be all the, the fun stuff, you know, all the podcasts I would do, the uh, blogs I would write and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's very different in this situation. I'm, I'm at a point where I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I, even as a, as a history teacher, you know, I don't take work home with me. Mm-hmm. But I also have a lot of work that I do. So again, I'm not just in the classroom teaching history. I have the Rutgers gig, right? So I'm able to kind of use some time one or two days a week when I'm sitting there after high school ends before I go teach the college courses to grade DBQs or plan my lessons or, you know, get stuff ready for Google Classroom posting or get stuff written on my on my board. So I, th- I think for me, the balance comes from being able to effectively manage my time. So that way, when I do pull up in front of my house and my kids are on the lawn beating the crap out of each other, I can jump right in, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's and I true. think that's the hard thing. As educators, that's the hard thing. It's because it's not like you can utilize the time that you have when you're in the classroom. You're too busy. You're too mm-hmm. hands-on, right? You, you can't expect the students to be hands-on and minds-on if you're not, you know? So that's the challenge in part, right? That, uh, and I was talking to it with a long-time uh, educator buddy of mine last night. We were cooking together and we were, t- you know, the solutions for, for that are probably like if you're to give teachers enough time during the day to prep and to plan and so on, you'd probably have to double your workforce and you'd have to give the teachers half the class size, half the number of classes, and you really would expect them to take a massive deep dive into teaching, you know, like, so obviously if you're going to um, assess or to monitor or as an administrator, if you're going to go and look at, you know, some of these lessons would have to be much improved, but you'd have no excuse for it, you know, like, um, but that's a massive financial undertaking. And it's not one that we're willing to take, right? So um as it stands right now, it, just trying to find a balance, trying to find little things to do on a daily basis is going to be in, so important to get you through. Um, otherwise, it's a it's a long journey. And I we would be doing a disservice because mm-hmm. the perspective that the three of us have, we are three male educators. And I, I need to acknowledge that from having conversations with my own wife, who is also an educator, it is probably infinitely harder to be a woman and do this and create that balance, you know, from talking to my own wife, you know, she is in addition to running her school library, you know, she's, she lives closer to home than I do. So she gets home before I do. She's got to be responsible for getting our kids to school, you know, for her, she rearranges her schedule and she's able to do it where her lunch is the first part of her day. So she doesn't Mm -hmm. get lunch in the middle of the day when you're traditionally thinking you're getting lunch, you know, I, I complain that my lunch is at, you know, 1030, her lunch is at 830 and her half hour is used to drive from her school to her mother's house to pick up our kids, get one to the bus stop, get one to school, 
you know, she's doing a lot of the meal planning, the meal prep, managing the household. And, you know, I, I, I try to help as best I can, but I'm going to Rutgers. I'm taking the kid to this activity. So, you know, we don't, as hard as we're complaining, there are people who can complain even a lot harder than this and have it even more difficult than even what mm-hmm. we're saying, the three of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so Mark, let's, let, let's jump into this, right? This, this whole thing, uh, like burnout, right? And I'm trying to figure out another word for it. Like burnout is, is extremely, I guess, relevant, right? Everybody's talking about burnout. Everybody's feeling it. Like March is the longest month, especially for us around this area. There's no breaks. Um, it's very easy to kind of feel that burnout. So let me ask you, have you ever experienced this thing called burnout or have you ever felt completely overwhelmed uh, by work? And if you have, you know, how has it impacted you as, as an educator or in your classroom or anything like that? So many years ago, when when my business was was big, like we were running a lot of different soccer programs. We were here then everywhere. I had coaches. So I had teaching. I had a full-time business. I had maybe 15 guys working for me. Um, we were building lots hours a week and stuff. Like I, I noticed that I would struggle to sleep. And I would also notice on my left eye, I would twitch. And I was never focused. I was never present because I was getting emails and calls and stuff all day. I'm teaching and I don't have my cell phone on me. And I run in between classes for to use the bathroom. I've got like 15 missed calls and I'm like dealing with this stuff. Um, and back then I would say I didn't do a very good job of it at all. I think I was young enough and probably stupid enough. And, and you know, immigrants come with the ability to work long hours and, and that's kind of um, what the deal is, right? So I just felt like this is what I have to do to better my situation to to move. And, and I just kind of went through it from there. Um, I don't do that now. Like I'm, I'm totally changed. My weight was heavier. I was heavier. I had stomach issues. Um, I was probably, my stomach was the worst thing that, about at the time I, I i and so probably without my cortisol levels my stress hormones were up uh my insulin levels fast insulin levels must have been high and uh, my energy levels are lower so as a teacher myself like you know i love monday mornings at that point in my career i probably didn't you know i probably like oh no, another week another week but um because my business is seasonal i was just trying to get through the especially the fall season get through the fall season get to the end of the fall season, get to Thanksgiving, and then I can breathe a little bit. Um, but I'm not sure how much longer I could have done that for. You know, like I was kind of lucky enough that some things came along and changed that. But it was only really when I took a deep dive into my personal health and wellness. And, and as a guy with a degree in exercise and movement science, I should have known better or I felt like I should have known better. But um, I, I went on this crazy like fat loss thing when it was in 2019 um four years ago and I dropped like 37 pounds in 40 days and I just went on this deep dive from there and and that's kind of where all this has come through so now like I'm I have no stress like I'm I have I do little things every day to help to improve my health improve my wellness because I understand that you know for young educators the 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 retirement age is getting older and older, you know. So they say that teaching's a young person's game. Um, but what I found on my journey is that I don't think that we have to suffer how we do. I just think we we just don't know the tools to which to use and embrace to help us as we move along. And that's kind of what where I'm I'm, my, I'm doing my second master's in nutrition now. 
And this is what I'm looking to take in with this pilot program, really in in an interdisciplinary nature and really tackle this head on because the numbers are frightening. Our our mental health, our physical health numbers in this country are frightening. 40% of our children are obese, 40% of adults are obese, 78% of adults, people 20 years and up are overweight. Uh, I think it's 88% are metabolically unhealthy. Mm. Uh, And we suffer from all these autoimmune issues, you know, and I think teachers are a microcosm of society and we're not immune to this, you know, and I I think that there's a lot of things that are going on, especially things that are classified as upstairs with not only our our staff, but with our students too, that can be improved through nutrition and and some of the other things that go along with it, you know, so, um, but I'm in a far better spot now. I'm far more balanced now than I was. You know, that, that some of that is kind of tough to swallow because, you know, like in our last episode, AJ, mm-hmm. you know, she talked about how, you know, who takes care of the leaders, how mm-hmm. we talked about how leaders get their PD and just as educators, you know, where do we go for relief? Because, you know, 180 days a year, we're expected to show up, smile on our face, ready to be there for our kids. You know, as an administrator, you've got to be there you know, to lead that school, smile on your face. And I don't know of any other profession that has to be at peak performance every minute of every day that you are on the clock. And in a lot of places now, you better be on your game when you're off the clock because God forbid you're photographed, videotaped, or seen doing something outside your job. They're coming for you. So where do we get relief from? Mm. This is relief for me. (laughs) Podcasting. No, I mean this. You're, you're. This is a good place for you. But I, you know, you know, Mark, I, I was with you when you did that, that, that weight loss journey, that challenge, and like, mm-hmm. to a normal person, I'm just gonna say, like, watching you do it, I'm like, wow, discipline. I think is the is the thing that 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 drove you, right? You had to be completely disciplined to do the things you were doing because you changed your entire eating habits, mm-hmm. and 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 like you hung out with us during lunch and. You were just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to eat today. I'll, maybe I'll have a bite in two days or something like that. And like, yeah. and that was that was legit part of part of the program. And I, and I think at this point's there. So you you said you have some things you do, small things you do every day. What are some of those things that you do now to put you in a in a strong mental space where you feel successful? So I think like when you talk about discipline, though, like the the key factor to that is that is that your why has to be greater than the choices that you would otherwise make, you know? So for me, like I mentioned before about my stomach, you know, so I I was in such a terrible position with my stomach um, that, you know, I, I just felt uncomfortable all the time in pressure on my stomach and just like, just not good. I just did not feel well. Now it turns out like I have a peanut allergy. I'm like the oldest peanut allergy sufferer in the world. Um, everyone's like, you're too old for that. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, but I, I am, what I, what I found along the way, like I have lactose issues. Um, I, you know, so there are foods that do agree with me. There's foods that don't agree with me. So, you know, I stick to mainly whole foods. Um, right now I'm eating a, a, a lot of meat, high protein, very little carbohydrate, um, decent amount of fat. Uh, I stay away from milk or dairy products because it doesn't agree with me. Um, I do source raw milk. I get it. Uh, it's actually illegal in New Jersey, but I do get it shipped. Um, it's delivered to my house. It comes in from like Amish country, I think. Um, 
which is that has all the B vitamins. It has all the vitamins in it. You know, like once you pasteurize milk, it takes that all out. So I don't even know why we even have force it on kids. It makes no sense to me. Um, other than sugar, you know, that's all it's in it really. Um, but so little things I do on a daily basis. Um, I, I, so I don't eat processed food. If it's got an ingredient list, I will not eat it. So I, if an avocado has an avocado in it, a tomato has a tomato, um, steak is beef. Um, I don't eat like bagels that are highly processed foods, um, that are not, don't have any nutrients in them. They're just calories that, you know, that, that, give you a little bit of energy and so on. I fast for quite a, not, not, I mix it up, but I fast most days. So like I'll, I'll fast from my evening meal tonight was at six o'clock. So I won't eat until probably lunch tomorrow. Um, that helps with my mental clarity, but it also helps like when, when you eat a lot of sugar, your blood insulin levels go up. So your three, your three things that cause three hormones that cause weight gain is cortisol, which is your stress hormone, which to say our kids have, the same as psychopaths in 1950 um, today are you have insulin, which is secreted. It's a key that unlocks the cells to allow glucose into the cells and estrogen. So um, those are the three that we have to control if you're going to control uh, your, your weight, so on. So I don't spike my insulin levels, allow my insulin levels to come down. But what that does is it allows my brain to be clear. Um, brains to, I think 2% of your body weight, it takes up 20% of your energy though. So people that eat a lot of carbohydrate have what's called hyperinsulinemia and the brain stops the glucose from coming in because it, it does a thing called glycation, glycation. So, and it damages the brain. So it doesn't allow it to come in, but then it doesn't feed your mitochondria. So now your powerhouse of your brain starts to shut down and that's what we see in our students that's what we see in our staff as well so by eating a whole food based diet then i i kind of sidestep that those issues so i'm I'm never not energetic i've always got energy for everyone um but that wasn't always the case you know that, that i've learned that as i've gone here um other things that i try and do is i exercise i i, I work out like five times a week um actually strength training, weight training, uh, yeah. and I walk a lot. So at Harrington Park, we instituted the Daily Mile last year, um, coming out of COVID. So our teachers take our kids out for 15 minutes a day. They run around with the kids. They walk with the kids. They get moving because it's important because some of them probably it's the only exercise they get. And in addition, they get daylight as well. So their eyes are used to it. Their circadian rhythms waking up. And these are little things that can help, especially in the morning to wake you up to, so that you're not solely reliant on caffeine and you're then able to give more of yourself throughout the day. Um, these are little things I do on a daily basis that does definitely help. Um, but I do have other things that I, I, I jotted down as well. That I, I go into, you know, if you look at your teaching staff at the start of September, everyone's tan, everyone's in a good mood. And I believe that vitamin D plays a huge role in that. You know, when our vitamin D levels dip as we go through the winter here and as we get into March and our vitamin Ds are at the lowest levels, you know, as you can see, I took a wee bit of sun today. Um, that's really when I think that we're, you know, we're, you know, like, what does it say? Uh, the night's darkest before the dawn. That's really what I feel like we experience as teachers in March. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, with the role vitamin D plays and, and where we live in the country, you know, and as it dips, you know, over the next two months, it'll start to build up again and people get outside, get more, and they're a bit more energized as they head in towards summer, you know? So 
um, I do think that's important for us as well. Wow. That, that, that's actually, that's something, you know, like that, that now I'm thinking about that, that, that correlation of like, is it the mentality of like, Oh, we're getting out of school early, you know, or, or, or soon I should say, is it that mentality? Like, Oh, school's ending. Or is it the fact that like, I'm outside more now I'm taking in this sun. So maybe April, May, and June isn't like we see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's more like I'm back to where I should be that I start the year feeling this way, you know, cause you're definitely right. Like when, when, when it's, I guess what we say, November, is that when the daylight savings time starts? Right. right. So from November until now, we're losing hours. We're stuck inside of a building and still dark when we're driving in and it gets darker as we're leaving school. Right. And so like you're spending your time inside of a building and that's just a miserable experience for anybody. You know, like we are experiencing a, a weird winter right now. Like we experience like some some unusual temperatures. But like when the kids are outside during that time, I felt better, you know, during the, the winter months, just being outside for two hours. So that that's really that's really that's really amazing, Mark. I wonder if that's the correlation now that we can look at it that way. The sun is out. We feel good. It's not just the end of the year. I, I think that's right on point because I'm at that point now where it's like, I can't wait to get home because the sun is out later. Mm-hmm. I can stay out later, you know, whether I'm, you know, throwing the football or going for a bike ride after dinner, you know, that sun is out there. And I'm, I guess, with the end of the year kind of approaching, I'm looking forward to having more time for me, which I know I will spend outside and, you know, doing stuff and, you know, having more control. Whereas, you know, the regiment, you know, dictated what my day is supposed to be like, you know, from 640 to 230, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get that control back. Right. And so I, I would give you, if I was to give you some advice on that as well, I would suggest like two to three times a week, once you get home at four o'clock, if you still, I get so much sun in my backyard, take your shirt off. If you put shorts on, uh, because you, the bigger the surface, yeah, there you go. The bigger the <laughs> You're going to surface area exposed to the sun, the more vitamin D that you, you synthesize. And it's so I've vital. Got the th- I've got the surface area to synthesize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and it, it's important. Don't wear, I'll give you others. Don't wear sunglasses either. Sunglasses, you know, you, you take in sun through your eyes, it, it instructs the pituitary gland to secrete melanin to protect your skin. So when you wear sunglasses, it thinks it's darker out. So that's when you end up with worse sunburns. Um, but these are little things like take... Huh. 20, 20, 30 minutes, two, three times a week from now until November. And it definitely helps. It definitely helps me that um, I'm still tan come November. And then even though normally we get away in February, but we weren't able to pull it pull it off this year. And so it's been a long winter for me, but um, I'm looking forward to the change of the seasons. And, and But that, these are things that are important. That I, and, and not wearing sunscreen, don't put sunscreen... It's, our skin's our largest organ and a lot of stuff in there is toxic to us and it, it blocks the vitamin D production. So even though you're in the sun, you wear this and your, your, your vitamin D levels are not going up. Um, but again, vitamin D is so vital in so many functions within the body um, and keeping health and keeping healthy. Um, it, it It's just, I think, a little piece to the puzzle that you know, goes a long way f- towards it, you know. Mark, at one point with what we've been talking about, I wanted to ask you, with all this knowledge, why the hell are you teaching phys ed? But you need like this needs to be imparted on the young people. Like right. I am thankful to be a part of this conversation as an adult, but I can tell that with your not and you're you're not looking at notes 
right? You, you know, this, you're getting yeah. another masters in this, right? Mm-hmm. So to know that you are sharing this with your students, that's going to go a long way to make a real difference more so sure. than world history or, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I also do a thing called grounding, which is also known as earthing. So, you know, had you told me five years ago, Mark, this is what you're going to be doing. I'd be like, no way. Um, but I went on such a journey. Again, my why is big enough that, um, so grounding is you take your shoes. The invention of the rubber sole disconnected us from the earth. So the earth has a slightly negative charge. It's the same exact charge as in the human brain. So with the invention of the rubber sole, we became disconnected from the earth. When you take rubber soles off, your shoes off, and you walk and you're connected to the earth, so whether you're walking on concrete, dirt, grass, or, or sand, you're connected. There's a feeling that goes through your body, an electricity that runs through your body that helps to lower inflammation, helps to lower cortisol, which is maybe why, again, in the summertime, when you're walking barefoot around, you feel better. Um, so I live, honestly, I, I live, I mean, a football field from the school. So my son... It's in seventh grade, was on the middle school soccer team. I go over to coach the high school team. We get done early. I come back. There's a game. So I walk over barefoot over to the school. And all the kids, the middle school kids are like, Mr. Torrey, you're grounding again. I'm like, yeah. So I understand that they're not, they're not at their age, they're not able to put two and two together. But I do believe at some point they're going to face their own little challenges and they're going to remember back, oh, my old gym teacher used to do this sort of stuff. And swore by it, you know, and and I'm going to give it a go, and 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 so on. Um, but I think modeling definitely helps, uh, and I think it's important. If you look at, the, like I said, the numbers before, the, the health of our nation is not good. They're predicting by 20, 30, 50 percent of our population will be obese, mm. and it's we have to do something, you know. So um, I went, I went to the, the state expo, and then I presented down in Princeton at the shape new jersey on my pilot program that i have going on and we're going to hit it next year we're building out the pilot program next year so we're going to hit it in social studies um and nutrition to hit nutrition and social studies really interesting because americans weren't really good at farming they weren't um but because we have such a plethora of animals game and so on in this we didn't need to be Yet, even during the 1800s, we ate so much meat in the United States, but we had no heart disease. So what is it that changed come 1910 and, and moving on that, that changed that? And that's what we're going to focus on in, in social studies and have students think critically about that. Because the reality is that the Northern Plains tribes in the late 1800s were still hunter-gatherer people. They weren't modern, you know, they weren't modern tribes. They were hunter-gatherer, the Sioux and so on. Um, and... I think it'll be interesting to see how we, we, we combine it and we put it all together. Um, but I am excited for that. So, yeah. So Mark, why don't you tell us, tell us more about that. Tell us what you presented. Tell us what, you know, the overall goal of, of this program is for, for you and, and for, for schools. We'll start in New Jersey because that's where your focus is, but where do you want to get at it? So what I did, I had an idea that a, a CGM is a continuous glucose monitor. So most of the time, traditionally, they've been worn by type 1 diabetics. So my wife's a type 1 diabetic. She wears one just to make sure her blood sugar doesn't go too high, doesn't go too low. It sends off sensors. Okay, you need to take insulin or you need to eat and blah, blah, blah. Um, more recently, they've been used for type 2 diabetics. But, but more recently than that, they've been used by healthy people to actually use as a gauge of, of, of what their blood sugar looks like 
and what foods cause what to to their blood sugar. So what I did was I had the Home and School Association pay for five CGMs. So myself and four other staff members, um, a mix of male and female, wore them for two weeks, and we recorded the data. So we put it into like Google Slides, um, and we have a file of data. It doesn't say who it is, um, but it shows what they ate or when they exercised, um, what the morning does to your blood sugar, and we just, it's just we're just monitoring blood sugar. So I think I don't believe you can stand in front of a room of students and, and tell them what to eat because you know you have people that are, you know you might have vegans in your room, vegetarians, pescatarians. You might have most of them will be omnivores, um, and you might have carnivores like myself. So. But what we can do is we can uh, utilize data to encourage them to think critically. Because if our students understand that most Western disease, if not all Western disease, comes from elevated blood glucose and hyperinsulinemia, high insulin levels, what are foods that cause that? And what are foods that don't cause that? What are foods that help keep our blood sugar lower and, and more manageable? Um, and that that's really where I've been. So for next year... The guidance department and tech, uh, Ms. J, are going to work on from the mental health aspect. Um, there's a professor, uh, Dr. Georgia Ede, that um, she was in charge of Harvard Psychiatry, and she believes that nutrition is the key for all of this mental health and wellness. She was she gave up diet, treating people with um, medication and really made dietary and interventions up at Harvard. She was there for seven years, and then when the presidency changed over, because they'd taken so much money from big sugar and so on, they were told you can only prescribe medicine. Mm-hmm. Like, why would we do that? Look how much. Look at the steps. She had so many professors and students, brilliant, brilliant people coming in with, you know, chronic fatigue, uh, depressive disorders, mental health issues, so on, anxiety, and she made these huge steps. So she stepped back. She was like, "I'm not going to do this. There's, there's, we're not going back. I'm not moving back." Um, so. That's they're going to focus on science. They'll focus on the endocrine system and the you know the role of food within the body. Maths are going to look at mapping and graphing. Social studies are going to look at the history of food, like seed oils. We could have a podcast on seed oils and the history of seed oils, and it, it's it's criminal what what's been allowed to infiltrate our food system, and that's what social studies and then health uh, in health class we're going to um, look at. Again, like nutrition, really focus on nutrition, nutritional choices, um, goal setting, and so on. So it'll be interesting to see how we get on here. But the staff are excited, and we are going to use the SDGP process to to build this out. So, yeah, and Mark, I think it's a really good thing. I think right now, especially, you know, a lot of our kids are they're stationary, right? They're, they're sitting in front of video games when they get home. They're sitting in front of computers during the school day. Um, you know, there there isn't a lot of opportunity for students to to move around there isn't really an opportunity for students to understand you know the the question of how we got to where we are right so i think this is really good for them to to have that interdisciplinary approach where they're looking at different things that they could do and 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 ways that they can live their life healthier and become better people this could push them to do the things that, that you're talking about whether it's grounding which is becoming more popular in the world of sports yeah the baseball the baseball player right Yep, absolutely. It was uh, Matt Carpenter. He played for the Yankees right. last year, went out there, and I saw it. And it's a real thing. And he wasn't just doing it to put on the show. Like every time he was in the outfield, he was grounding. And, and I think it's really it's really telling to see like how his career, 
I don't know if it's, it's, if it's a correlation, but his career exploded last year mm-hmm. after years before that he kind of fell apart. Right. Mm-hmm. But like this, this is something that, that we need for, for our kids, especially. So they understand like the things they're doing to themselves that like, yes, they may enjoy video games, but man, being outside in the sun, you know, whether it's just kind of hanging out with your family or, or, you know, just staring at the sun for a little bit, like mm-hmm. get out, go, go be, go understand, go live your life. Like, I think this is a great time for this. And I told you this, you know, we talked about this at the beginning. Like this is needed more now than it ever was before. And you see, that. Right. you're talking about it. And the parent, like I'm going to run parent academies as well. Um, but the, the real goal is to probably build a, a non-profit organization and, and look to take this to multiple districts um, and, and, and really educate, try and educate, get the parents involved as well. Um, because obviously with stuff like nutrition, um, the parents are doing the cooking at home. The kids are not going to the supermarket and buying. Mm-hmm. So we need to work hand in hand with, in a community-based program to, to affect change. And just to really, really, you, you just want people to think critically, right? You want them to ask questions because I, I do believe we're, we're N equals one. Like I'm Scottish. I'm from Scotland. My parents are from Scotland. We're from the same valley. We're farmers. So it's easy for me to figure out what did we eat a hundred years ago prior to seed oils and all that coming in. We, that Angus cows are from Angus, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So salmon, haddock, cod, um, root vegetables such as potatoes, turnips, and that. That's probably what I should eat. Non-processed food. You know, like uh, if you're Italian, if you're 100%, I think when you're mixed, I think that's when it's a little bit more challenging. So if your mom was French and your dad's Colombian, there are probably things that agree with you and things that don't. But it's N equals one, right? That's what I want everyone to take. We're our own experiment. We're, we're all different. So there's might be foods that agree with you that don't agree with me. Um, and you need to go on this journey for yourself, but you can only do that if you've developed critical thinking skills and curiosity to go down that rabbit hole. Right. So I think that's kind of where I'm going with it from there. Mark, this has been a fantastic eye opening conversation. Um, as the one third of this broadcast that is <laughs> obese and needs to work on himself a little bit more, I have learned something tonight. I had not heard of the term grounding. Uh, the closest thing for me that I was familiar with, uh, again, because of my wife, which is so many things in my life, uh, would be barefoot running and that whole idea of, you know, the, the shoeless shoe. So right. I had that little bit of framework for me. Um, but as I sit here thinking about what you've shared, I'm like, I do like to be outside without my, my shoes on. You know, I, I love the feel of the grass. I, I hate the sand, but I guess it's good to go to the beach and <laughs> let the sand sure. hit my feet. Um, so I, I really appreciate everything that you have shared and everything that you've talked about tonight. And, you know, I don't often go back and re-listen to these for the content. I, I do quality control, but I'm going to listen to this again because – you shared so many wonderful things and I hope that you who's listening or watching also, if you were taking notes, awesome. If not go back and listen. Uh, but Mark, as we move forward, how can people connect with you and what are some resources that people can turn to, to continue to learn about a lot of these things that you've shared tonight? So uh, I'm on, um, I'm on social media. You know, I, I did a podcast. I, I did a, a, we did some personal development days, which was rare because normally it's professional development, you know, like, but after COVID, there was like one year we did a lot of personal development and I, I did a, I did a seminar on fasting 
and just the benefit of fasting and what it really is and what it's not, you know, it's not starvation. Um, and it was, it, it was, I think there was 75 women in, in it and it was an hour long. I was on there for about an hour and 45 minutes answering questions and so on. But like to implement little things like Chris, I'd say to you, like as a history teacher, in May, take your classes outside. Have them all go barefoot. Look at the invention of the rubber. You're a history teacher. Look at the invention of the rubber sole and look what what it actually meant or, or what that. But what did it really do? What did it really mean for us, right? So obviously, it made walking and running and all that easier. But at the same time, everything action has a reaction, right? And what are the consequences of that as they head in towards? Because I think little things like this are, uh, are important. You know that I think that. It definitely can help our students, but but um, I had one of the social study teachers at Ultapan. She went out and she did it, and she was like, "Wow, I would never have thought of doing this." But I use it as the cool down for the high school boys. So at the end of our soccer sessions, all right, boys, go grounding, and they just walk barefoot and talk to each other. So I see them have far more conversations together than what they normally would. Get the stuff and leave, and blah blah blah. Now they're spending time. They're re- reducing their inflammation in their body. They're taking that time i'm building in that personal time that it's okay to take time i think sometimes as adults and professionals like we think it's selfish if we go at the gym because i have to be i think it's probably the most selfless thing you can do but we're so worried about the time between our professional responsibilities and our personal responsibilities as well that um to have people tell you it's okay it it, is a big part of it you know that it's not perfection we're after it's curiosity that drives these little journeys that we're on. And I think that's the important part. Um, I'm not sure if you want me to create, I can create like resources. I have resources, a, a slide I can create for you and send to you. Um, so that, especially because women, I, I'll be honest with you, it's so much easier for men to lose weight than it is for females. Last Friday, I did a female nutrition uh, session and all based around the cycle, um, which we never teach Girls, we teach health class, we teach nutrition in high school, one year, few weeks of one year, boys and girls together, yet we're on completely different pages. So women should know about, the, the, you know, the, the cycle and when's it better to train strength, when's it better to, where, which part of the month is more risky for injury, which part of the month do they burn fat, which part of the month do they burn sugar, which part of the month do they actually need more calories and so on. You know, like we don't, we just don't teach girls this. So we almost set them up for failure. And then we blame them when things go awry, you know. We point the finger of blame at them and they, they lack discipline or they lack this and that. But I think that the problem's rooted more than the fact that we just, we, we haven't exposed young, especially young women to this, to these ideas and, and the science behind it as well, you know, which I think can help them. Um, but like I said, I, I can create, I have a website, I have a, um, a Weebly that I can share with you. Um, and I have some, there's one of my presentations is on there. Um, but yeah, look, I, whatever you need from me, I can send over and you can share it out and, and so on. But I do, I am on Instagram and, uh, and Twitter as well. Perfect. That, that will all be in our show notes out at mm-hmm. podcastpd.com slash 126. And you'll be able to connect with Mark on social media. And we'll have a link to his website, which will give you access to all of the resources that he is talking about. My, my last question, um, half sarcasm, half I'm curious, because uh, one of my best friends at the school I work at, he's also the boys varsity soccer coach. And when I go to him and talk to him about grounding, um, 
our field is artificial turf. So is the grounding effective on artificial turf? No, so the Part, rubber okay. <laughs> the rubber in the turf is oh, that's right. Okay. All right, I will not tell him that idea then. Yeah, okay. so we we walk off if we do train on the turf or if we play on the turf, sometimes we get there early and um up, there's grass around we go sit on the grass barefoot. It goes through your hands and your feet. Hmm. So even if you're outside, if you're an English teacher, my English teacher, one of the English teachers taking the kids outside a lot to read, but I'm like, get the shoes off, have them take the shoes off. And he's like, really? Like, I'm like, look, you're outside anyway. Like, just honestly, they'll, they'll start to get into it and they'll start to, you know, these are things that they'll take home to their parents that will, you know, will it invoke discussion maybe, you know, like, so, um, but yeah, you can't do it on the rubber. The rubber is uh, what's disconnected us from the earth. So, all right, more lessons learned. AJ, anything else? No, I'm like like I said, I've known Mark now for going on 10, almost ten years, seven yeah, years, probably. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I continue to be impressed by everything he's doing. Like I, I've seen tremendous growth in Mark, and uh, you know I'm glad he was here, and I'm glad he's sharing this information. And I really hope that the listener out there will reach out. Uh, if it's something that you are interested in, like, look, we, we, we wanted to talk about, you know, that, that idea of self-care and we we've talked about some other things in other episodes about what you can do to like, just unwind. This is beyond that. Like it says beyond the classroom. This is totally beyond what you're looking at for self-care. This is looking at who you are as an individual and your health going forward. Because if it, it, as Mark said, you know, over the time we're, we're, we're all going to fall apart as a society. Right. So we need to start taking care of ourselves better now. And if the retirement age is getting later and later and we're going longer and longer in this profession, we need that. So I'm going to say reach out to Mark and start learning the things that, that he can offer, because I think he can really change your outlook in your classroom and what you can do as a person as well. And, and I would say this is also bigger than somebody who feels that unwinding is just looking forward to happy hour mm-hmm. on a Friday or, Mm-mm. you know, after a department meeting. So th- this is. This is bigger stuff. So regardless of the fact that you're a teacher, uh, maybe share this with somebody who you know who works in another profession because certainly nutrition is important to all of us and everything that Mark talked about, and I don't mean to talk about you like you're not here, but everything he talked about is valuable for any human being anywhere, any walk of life. Perfect. Well said. I try. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Thanks Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Of course, man. Love it. Love it. All right. Real quick, before we get out of here, uh, we do want to thank our executive producers. And those fine people are Holly Landez, Sandy Hartman, and Stephanie Scrocky. If you're interested in becoming an executive producer of the show, visit us at podcastpd.com slash executive producer. And if you want to give back to the podcast based on the content we're able to put together for you, we would certainly appreciate that. And all the information is out at podcastpd.com slash executive producer. AJ, have you listened to any podcasts recently? I have. I knew you were going to ask this. You are prepared. All right. Go ahead. Share it. So I'm going to throw one out there. And I I don't know if I spoke about this one or not. I'm fairly new to this podcast, although the podcast itself has been going on for, I believe, 11,000 episodes. No joke. So there's a podcast called the Success Hotline with Dr. Rob Gilbert, right? And Dr. Gilbert is a college professor in Montclair, and he he has a call-in line, right, where you listen to his message of the day. 
I'm going to give you the phone number because this is, this is legit. I've tried it, right? So he records about a three-minute motivational message, and you call the number, and you can hear the message. So the number is, get a pen or pencil, 973-743-4690, right? So you can call that. You hear the motivational message, and then you can actually leave a message at the end of it, right? But this podcast is the motivational message. So 11,000 episodes that he's been doing this. Um, I think they're they're under five minutes. I, I think it's like three to five minutes. And so the phone the number is for people who don't understand what a podcast is. No, the phone number was the original thing. Okay. But they turned it into a podcast. Perfect. That scratches my itches. Right. But you, <laughs> you got to be honest. When you listen to it, you're like, I should really call this one day. Really? Yeah, you really should. Yeah. I would play it on the air, but like, I, I what if like something happens? I don't know. So. <laughs> well, let, let me through the magic of technology. Um, this is called the Success Hotline. You said Success Hotline with Rob, Doctor Rob Gilbert. Well, let's uh, let's pop You're that up on the this. old screen here. Come on, the Success Who's Hotline nine seven three seven four three four six nine zero. I will check this out. So it comes out every day. Every day. I don't know the times though. He's not specific on that. So I don't know if it's like a morning thing and a night thing. So, well, well try can you really put a timestamp on success? <laughs> not for the hotline, I guess. <laughs> not for the hotline. Uh, and the, the podcast that I will share, uh, we are big fans of Simon Sinek here on the Perfect. podcast. He has his, uh, a bit of optimism podcast. And I really enjoyed his March 14th episode, which was titled down a rabbit hole hmm. with Seth Godin. So, Simon Sinek, Seth Godin, two friends, two amazing thinkers here in the 20th and 21st centuries. So check out that episode. I will include a link to it in the show notes. Now, Mark, you said you wanted to talk about the 26 second podcast you listen to each day when you walk to work. <laughs> Get out of here. Right. <laughs> Mark's going to make a 26 second podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's what I'm 26 seconds of grounding. Let's go. Motivational wow. thoughts with Mark. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even sure it is 26 seconds, to be honest with you, you know? It's, uh, it's, no, it's I, close. It, it can't be. I, I've been to your house close. before. I, yeah. Part of me feels like you saying you walk to work means it's a full-out sprint from your door, from door to door. Nah. I, 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 I tell you, that helps as well, though, with, with like, nutrition, that I, I can I walk home and, and make my own lunch. So I'm, not, I'm never caught short and so on and so forth. These little things help, you know? Like, But the fact that I'm home, I, I don't spend a lot of time commuting. Um, it, I, I feel, feel like it, there's a lot of value in that, that I'm just not willing to give up, you know? Mm. Um, so I don't want to run around like a headless chicken. I did that for, for long enough when I first came here. Mm. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Mark, thank you for being here on podcast PD. AJ start to put a bow on this episode, put a bow on this episode. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. This is a, a wonderful conversation. And if you have Anything that you'd like to share, if you have thoughts and you want to talk about the conversation, you want to learn, like, please let us know. Feedback at podcastpd.com. Or if you'd like to send a voicemail, voicemail, voice message. What do you want to do here, Chris? Voice message. Whatever. Yeah, send a voice message. Podcastpd.com slash feedback. Send a message. Send us your feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. And uh, join us on the last Sunday of the month as we have our podcast episodes. I'm very can – I, can I tease the next episode? Go ahead. You All right. This. I'm excited So on Sunday, April 30th, 2023, we are going to have with us Gary Arndt, who is the host 
of Everything Everywhere Daily, which is a podcast that I recently got into listening to. And uh, I've been into some podcasty stuff with Gary. And Gary's going to be a guest because his podcast is great for the classroom. So a little bit of a different take from uh, a non-traditional education provider because his podcast is amazing. So you've got a month to start to listen to some episodes. And we're going to have Gary with us on April 30th for episode 127. 127. Yeah, 127. No, I'm saying this is, this is not 127. <laughs> this is not. No. This is 126. This we is established one. that. Yes, we did. I had to learn. <laughs> All right. Thanks for checking us out in the chat on the live stream. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast side and you did not know, come out. 9 o'clock, April 30th, 2023, podcastpd.com slash live. Thank you, Podcast Paisano. Thank you to Mr. Mark Torrey for joining us. And we will see you next time. Wave goodbye, everybody. Thank you for checking out this episode of Podcast PD. For links to everything that we discussed in this episode, you can visit the show notes at our website, podcastpd.com. To connect with the show on social media, we are at PodcastPD on Instagram and Twitter, and we share using the hashtag PodcastPD. To connect with AJ and myself, we are on Twitter at Mr. Nessie and at AJ Bianco. We would love to hear from you, so please go to PodcastPD.com slash feedback and send us an email, send us a voice message, whatever you need to do. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you share it with somebody that you think would get value from it. Word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast you enjoy, and we hope you enjoy Podcast PD. We appreciate you listening, we appreciate your sharing, and we love creating this podcast for you. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care.